0: Breakfast with the Beak is brought to you by Bilgewater. Just throw it away!
1: Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Good Times. Joining me is my sidekick, I'm
0: Dr. Heisenberg. Good morning, Nicks. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning. Last show of the year,
1: Johnny. Last show of the year. Last show of the great year of our Lord 2013. Yeah. Yeah, damn it. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm excited. It's, uh, it's been a while. Since we've had mm-hmm. a new year, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, year, it's man. been a it's been a whole year. Yeah, you know what? I had an awesome year. I don't need to go into why I had an awesome year. No, but I, I think I owe part of it to detaching myself from the culture.
1: Absolutely, no. I had an awesome year as well. I don't want to go into it either, mm-hmm. but that's because we are old school auteurs. You know, yeah, we create, we give to you, and you people consume. Mm-hmm. You know, and that means there's no place for us in the culture anymore. Yeah, none None, uh, of this,
0: none of this sharing every little aspect
1: of minutia. Dragging our personal lives up on stage for the perusal of everyone? Yeah. Fuck that. No. But. Right. Because we have detached from the culture in such a way, mm-hmm. we had pretty good years. Yeah, we did. We did. While while people on the internet in general
0: seem to be unhappy and complaining and finding all new sorts of things to scream at.
1: The world in general seems to be pretty fucking miserable right now.
0: I feel great. Yeah. I feel so
1: much more awesome than I did this time a year ago. No, you disengage, and suddenly it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you, you see the patterns. I don't know if it's like a Dallas thing or what, but... Uh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, uh, like a bird. I feel like a bird. Okay, cool. I don't have a follow up to that. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> but, uh, I don't I don't I don't 100% follow you on that, but you know what, man? <laughs> because you, you get out there and you flap your ass off, whatever. Because birds do
0: their own thing. Well, I do. Birds birds don't really engage. They're like, what's down there that I want? I kind of want that crumb. I'm going to go get it, then I'm going to check back out. Yeah. Yeah. Birds can do that. Birds <coughs> birds not there all the time. No, birds have options. Yeah, it's like that.
1: It's not a bad way to be. Yeah, no, yeah. it's cool.
0: And, uh, yeah. Yeah, makes for a fun year. Right. Yeah. The, uh, although I'm not sharing a lot, there is one thing I will share, Johnny. Oh? Is that I am excited because it's time for this year's Topic Roundup special episode. It is indeed. Now, It if is you, indeed. If you guys don't remember, last year we instituted the Topic Roundup rule. Yes. Which was that anything
1: from the year before the year that's ending yes. has to be taken off the list today. To to put that a bit more succinctly, uh, a bit less confusingly, right? At the end of the year, any topic that is more than a year old mm-hmm. gets. Flushed out in the Topic Roundup. Right. Yes. Last
0: year, we cleaned out all the old 2011s. And this year, we're doing all of our leftover 2012s. It's awesome. I am so ready to get all the, just flush out the system, get ready for some new topics.
1: All right. Well, let's go to the big list. Let's pull it up. And see how many 2012 topics we've got left. And fuck. Oh. We have one 2012 topic left. Whoops. Um, we sure do, Johnny. Yeah, we were actually very good about that this year. We've got one topic left. I'm um, well,
0: either we were good about it, or the listeners didn't send us enough topics over a year ago.
1: Yeah. Hey, past selves of all you people listening... Where were you in 2012?
0: Look, if you guys want next year's topic roundup to be anything significant, you better send us a lot of topics next year so that we don't have to use up all the 2013 topics at the beginning of next year. This is uh, a lot of double talk.
1: This is very, it's a very confusing system we've instituted. <laughs> well, tough. Yeah, well, the point is we've got one old-ass topic left. All right. And what is it? It is doozy. It okay. is... Akira Kurosawa submitted Ooh. by Nick in Philadelphia. Thank you, Nick. Akira Kurosawa. Yes. Wow, he,
0: that is a humdinger.
1: Yeah, he submitted it alongside the Akira movie. Oh, a we, topic which you well, the Akira well. movie
0: sucked, but that was a cartoon not affiliated with the director. Yes. No.
1: No. It's just the the similarities of their names, I believe, is coincidental. Now it's like Bob over there. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I'm not sure that is. Anyway. But,
0: well, here's the thing about Akira Kurosawa. I'm not... Everyone knows the name. Everyone knows the name. I'm not actually that familiar with his work.
1: Nor am I.
0: I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like, if you go on Kurosawa's Rotten Tomatoes page... Okay. It's all, like, 100%, you know, movies for, like, the first, like, 10 or 20.
1: I, I assume some of that is just that most of those reviews are written by, you know, modern reviewers writing retrospectives on old films they enjoy... Well, that's what gives me pause because yeah. anything that you know
0: has existed since the Rotten Tomatoes system came out, yeah, it, it nothing gets a hundred
1: percent. Even like stuff that wins, you
0: know, dozens of awards.
1: Oh yeah, no films that are universally adored. Wall-E didn't get a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like nothing that's like objectively reviewed in the time yeah. that it takes place. There's always going to be people who hate it People yeah. who find things exactly. And and Kurosawa's work is so universally adored By the people who actually know it That I'm almost worried It's going to be like one of those things Where it's never as good as they say it is It can't live
1: up to the hype
0: Yeah, yeah. There's lots of stuff people love That did not impress me Oh absolutely you know?
1: There are so many things That I've, I've just heard people talk about endlessly You go, you sit down with it You read it, you watch it, whatever mm-hmm. You're like, that's it? Yeah, totally. You know, I mean, it, hell, to use the, the classic example, anytime you watch Star Wars with somebody who spends their life bragging about how they've never seen Star Wars, uh-huh. they're always like, that's it? They do one thing? They go rescue this chick and then blow the thing up? That's it?
0: Yeah. It works a lot better if you saw it the first time when you were, like, nine. Yeah,
1: you don't start thinking about why did Luke bring a grappling hook.
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's not something you would use in the desert all that often. No, no, no. there's no trees. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh... Uh,
0: yeah, so, but I, there's nothing to do but have a 10 hour Kurosawa movie marathon.
1: I'd say 10 hours might be the minimum.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, we um, are uh,
1: we gonna go do that?
0: Uh, I don't see another choice. We can't brush it under the rug because it's our only topic. Yeah, uh, no, for if, the we, special, if yeah. we
1: had 10 more topics, we could just blow past this one. We could be like, whoops, didn't watch him, moving on. Yeah, no, we're stuck. Yeah, we gotta do this. We'll be right back. we're uh, we're back Kurosawa was awesome he's fucking awesome that he, was cool he meets the standards set up by the hype and i would say exceeds them i get it where, i fucking get it where have i been that i've been missing this uh yeah
0: off in dumb american land apparently yes holy shit yeah like these are some of the best movies i've seen all year yeah And they were all made in the 50s and 60s. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) All the ones I
1: watched. Yeah, no, I watched one from the 80s. But, I mean, yeah, absolutely Kurosawa in his sort of, in his prime. 1943 to 1965, 22 years, he made 23 films... Yeah, no, I didn't see all of them. Absolutely not. There's I, not enough time in the in our our schedule here.
0: Yeah, no, no, not in not in one day. We had to come back and finish recording this thing. But holy shit. All right, let's do the rundown first before we get uh, to what we watched. Uh yeah. Um, all right. uh, I'll start. Um so I watched The Seven Samurai. As did I. Uh, I watched uh Rashomon. Uh, also as did I. Um I watched uh Watched Yojimbo. and uh, that's another one I also watched. Okay, awesome. I watched the first half of Ikiro. Okay, um, and it was kind of a downer, and I didn't want to be on a downer cycle
1: when we come back to the show. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to get on the show; everyone's fucking doomed. So,
0: like, I'll talk about, it, but it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So then I watched like the the first half hour of Fistful of Dollars.
1: If, uh, yeah, no, that's actually the, the tack I took. Yeah, as as often is the case when we have a. A big project like this, I tried to diverge from you a little bit, and I I watched, obviously, the three you watched. Right. And then I also watched uh, Fistful of Dollars and the Magnificent Seven, which are western remakes of Yojimbo and the Seven Samurai, respectively. Right, right, right. Oh, and I started watching Throne of Blood, too, which is the Macbeth remake. Okay, and I watched, speaking of Shakespeare, I watched uh, Ron, Uh which is his version of King Lear.
0: Oh, excellent! Okay,
1: yes. yeah, Macbeth is kind of a gap in my Shakespeare knowledge, but I know King Lear pretty well, so I just went with that one. Okay, I did a whole seminar
0: on Macbeth, so I've seen like a hundred versions. So I was kind of counting out the beats. But, ah. you know. <laughs> it's it's interesting because a lot of of Western cinema, like actual spaghetti westerns, but also just Western culture, yeah, yeah, like remakes Kurosawa movies, and the only thing that Kurosawa seems to remake is Shakespeare. Yeah, like he's if he's going to borrow from the West at all, he's going to go that far back.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I want to jump into Yojima right now because Yojima is so cool. It is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, but the the history of it is so weird because it itself was inspired by sort of uh, a film noir tropes. Kurosawa himself said it was uh, loosely based on the film version of the Glass Key, which was originally a novel by Dashiell Hammett. Interesting. Kurosawa is incorrect about his own influence.
0: Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, explain that.
1: It, it its plot mirrors almost exactly a different Dashiell Hammett novel called Red Harvest, hmm. about a man with no name who comes to a town being mm-hmm. being taken over by two rival gangs who are driving out all the regular people. Okay, yeah who then goads the two gangs into fighting each other, Mm -hmm. and then cleans up the mess and gives the town back to its people. Right, yeah, that sounds like Yojimbo. It's exactly like Yojimbo. Yeah, okay. And then, of course, that film became the basis for... A spaghetti western called A Fistful of Dollars, which you've all heard of. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood and Back to the Future 3. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> and a little bit in two. <laughs> that's why you all know the ending of that movie. Mm-hmm. You had a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yojimbo
0: stars my as of today new favorite actor, yes, uh, Toshirô Mifune, yes, who I found out looking him up was in like so many things. He was he was the crossover of the late twentieth century, yeah, yeah. or well, the second half really. Yeah, like not only did he do a ton of Japanese films, he did films in Spanish, he did films in English. Oh yeah, Uh, you know,
1: no, I mean like that those sort of you know. Like martial arts and samurai and those kind of films, mm-hmm. you know, were a big business back in the days of the grindhouse and the double feature and so forth. Yeah, and if they could get a guy with with his sort of cred in them,
0: right? You know, you know I, this guy was not on my radar at all. No, I mean I knew his name and that was it. Yeah, and he's badass. So like in in and that, not one... only
1: is he badass, but given that his character in Yojimbo is the basis for Clint Eastwood's character in Fistful of Dollars, mm-hmm. and given how influential that character is. On our modern understanding of what badassery is, yeah, Toshiro Mifune is effectively the original badass.
0: He is the original badass, and and, and I think he's even better than you know Clint Eastwood in his prime. Yeah, like, and that's saying a lot. No, oh, absolutely. Like, I'm not the, I'm not. An expert on westerns? Yeah. But everyone knows Clint Eastwood was the badass. Yeah, no,
1: his, the, the films he did, especially the films he did with Sergio Leone, beginning with Fistful of Dollars, mm-hmm. were sort of game changers for that genre, you know? Right. Things got much darker and much grittier, I mean, and, I mean, the, the spaghetti western genre is definitely one that takes some getting used to. There's a lot of dubbing, there's a lot of Italians playing Mexicans. Oh, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Once you get used to, like, those sort of tropes and, you know, come to accept them as sort of the charm of it, I mean, the, the actual filmmaking involved, you know, they, everyone knew what they were doing. Right. And, and Eastwood's performance is, I mean, he's not an actor known for emoting. Yeah. But the script definitely plays to his strengths. Oh, it certainly does. And, uh,
0: I mean, there's a in, in both. There's like a there's a factor of cool without trying to be cool. Yeah, like this guy is just that cool. Yeah, at, at no point does he need to like put on airs or anything.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, if anything,
0: he's doing a lot of sneaking.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, that's exactly it. It's the the hero who's smarter than the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, he's tougher. He can outshoot or outfight, depending on which version. Yeah, just about anyone, but. He decides to, you know, save his strength. Let them tire each other out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the Yoshimbo Yojimbo, which means bodyguard in Japanese mm-hmm. um he never the character never gives his real name. It's the kind of origin of that man with no name. Yeah.
1: He gives a name that's so obviously fake that nobody ever calls him that again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So he's a he's a lone samurai yeah. kind of wandering
1: around. He comes to this town. Uh, one of one of many wandering ronin in the films of Kurosawa. Absolutely. Yes.
0: And uh, 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 there are these two rival crime gangs that have just ruined the town with their infighting. The only man making a
1: living is the coffin maker.
0: Exactly. And and so he he, he i in the guise of hiring himself out as a bodyguard to one of the rival
1: factions. Yeah. He
0: kind of plots to, like, bring it to a head such that they take
1: each other out. Well, exactly. And then, you know, he comes in, and whoever's left over, he takes out. And then, good news, surviving townspeople.
0: Yeah, he basically yeah. saves
1: the day. He turns out to be
0: a hero. Like, you don't yeah. know at the beginning of the film what to expect.
1: Yeah, maybe he really is just a gun for hire, a sword for hire. Yeah. You know, I mean... Gun for Hire is the term because of the Western influence on that idea. Right. But they got the idea from this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to just pick out specific moments in the film. I don't just want to recap the plot because. Yeah. Well, the point is that Fistful of Dollars was an unauthorized and unofficial remake. Uh-huh. And Kurosawa uh, was able to sue Sergio Leone successfully. Right. And bar the film from release in the United States until after its sequels had already come out here. Well, it's a very, very obvious remake. At very. No, I when I sat down to watch it, I was like, I wonder how close it's going to be. And beat for beat. Mm-hmm. To the point where... In Yojimbo, there's a scene where the samurai has to ransack a house to make it look like a fight has happened there. Yeah. And when Clint Eastwood does the same thing, he literally picks up a machete and does it with a sword, right? Exactly like Mufune did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a because he's he's so good with a sword that he takes six guys out with one sword stroke each. Yeah. And then to make it look like. There was a real fight. Yeah, like, he trashes the place before witnesses come. He
1: meets, needs to make it look like the other gang did it. Yeah, <laughs> He's exactly. Like, I need to make it look like I was more guys.
0: But kind of, and 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 this this is apparent yeah. in the other ones too, at least that I watched. Is this like it's really good filmmaking? Yeah, I mean the is. the you know the camera work, the settings, the kind of yeah. blend of like. Violence and humor and, yeah. you know.
1: I mean, something I will say about Kurosawa, which is going to sound like faint praise, uh-huh. but before I say it, I want you to stop and think about the last Michael Bay movie you watched. Okay. And now let me come back to what I was going to say, Yeah, which is, during the fight scenes, you are always very conscious of where everyone and everything is. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Michael Bay is, is not... Uh, he is the opposite of that.
0: Well... <laughs> Michael Bay's one that's an easy target, but so many more, uh, more well-regarded filmmakers yeah. are guilty of the awful fight scene thing. Yeah,
1: where it's not just you can't keep track of where everything is. Yeah, at a certain point, you realize the director isn't keeping track of where everything is. He's just moving stuff around to where he needs it to be to get the most badass hits in. You know? Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, even movies that are better than Michael Bay movies, like something like The Avengers. Yeah. It's still hard as hell to keep track of what's going on in all those fights.
1: Exactly. And and, and Kurosawa, with much, much less technology, I mean, Rashomon has uh, a couple of sword fights, or rather, a couple of versions of the same sword fight, mm-hmm. and this was in 1950. This is five years after the war, okay? right. This is a, a tiny film. I think there's eight actors in the entire movie, and that might be, if you include, the baby. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it, it might be nine with the baby, and the baby might have been a doll. I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, couldn't tell. Yeah. It <laughs> never showed its face. Yeah, well, exactly. And so, you know, it, it's this tiny film, tiny cast... I, I assume most of the budget went to making the fake rainstorm. Well, let's talk about Rashomon, because Rashomon is a brilliant concept. It's a brilliant concept, and it's a massively influential concept. It's one of the first films or stories at all to do what it did, to the point where when we talk about this kind of story, we call it a Rashomon. Right. Which is, it's uh, a story about a crime told from multiple perspectives. Yeah. But it's not just your usual, well, one guy says he was in a red shirt and someone else says he was in a pink shirt. Right. It's three or actually four stories that completely contradict each other on every important point. Yeah,
0: and every single version is told by what turns out to be an unreliable narrator.
1: And every unreliable narrator makes themselves look like the worst person in the story. It's yeah. And everyone takes the blame for the murder. Yeah, like everyone pins it on themselves. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that just the just the way the whole thing kind of starts out with a narrow focus and then like expands but is kept yeah. in this elegant frame.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then beyond just the mindfuck of multiple unreliable narrators mm-hmm. as if he is just showing off yeah the third of the unreliable narrators is a medium channeling the ghost of the murdered man <laughs> yeah who is she making it up does she believe what she's saying or because it's a movie, is that actually
0: happening in yeah, the reality of the I- movie?
1: exactly. Is she a real medium?
0: Yeah, and is it really <laughs> his
1: ghost? And then, of course, the medium finally concludes, it wasn't a murder at all, it was a suicide. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: just... So, yeah, in the medium's version, the ghost did it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, and... And it's a terribly grim story. It is a story about uh, a rape and murder, or neither. (laughs) Yeah, depending on whose version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, or one or the other. You know, and right, and and
0: each character in the it's really you know the uh, the husband, the wife, and the bandit. You know, are the players in the actual story.
1: None of the characters has a name except for the bandit, and that's because he keeps talking about himself in the third person. Right. And depending on
0: which versions, each different ones become sympathetic, you know, and different ones yeah. become antagonistic.
1: Exactly. I mean, like, like in the husband's version of his own story, he is such a dick that you start feeling sympathy for the rapist. It's like, come on. He's a bad guy, but be nicer. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: the the bandit
0: makes himself sound like a horrible, you know, fucking criminal. He,
1: yeah, he tells the story like he is this merciless sociopath yeah. who, who laughs as he kills. And then, and then other people's stories about him are like, ah, he was actually a pretty nice guy. You and know. then the final version, we see the fight between the samurai and the bandit and it is the most cowardly, incompetent sword <laughs> fight ever captured on film. Yeah. And it's not because they couldn't do it. You know, you see them have a real fight or in the movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And in this version, they are stumbling around. Neither one can even hang on to his sword. (laughs) Like, they both keep dropping their weapons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is after previous versions where they're both
0: masterful swordsmen.
1: Yeah. And for such a a tight movie... It's, what, 90 minutes, not even. 88. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, uh, there's so many, like, beautiful little things to pick out, like... In the in the sort of tribunal you never see a court or a judge or anything you
1: never even hear the judge you hear the people answering the questions but you never hear the questions right
0: it's a clear shot of whoever's giving testimony you know dead center
1: you're sitting in the position of the judge effectively yeah
0: and and the um, the people who have already given testimony are sort of off in the back in this yeah. little like uh, you know in
1: a little gallery
0: like yeah up. exactly it's like a turn-based uh, combat game almost <laughs> yeah where, like your your other guys are in the back you remember them. Yeah. They're present for this, but it's it's stylistic, it's not like yeah.
1: a real courtroom. Well exactly. I mean well who knows, maybe real courts looked like that back then. We don't know. Yeah. Well I mean somebody knows, but not me. I mean that yeah, and the, the
0: audience, you know, relates it, to a certain extent has taken the role of the court but also there is you know kind of a cynical wanderer who shows up to yeah.
1: hear the recountings of the trial yeah that's the guy the one guy who wasn't actually there he's the guy that's the thing it's two guys yeah. telling the story of the stories they heard yeah to a third guy right so right away we've got the nested flashbacks and the thing with the medium and the unreliable narrators. Structurally, it is, I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, it's very sophisticated for its time, but it's very sophisticated for its time. I mean, even, even a film like Citizen Kane didn't go quite this far. Or this smoothly. Well, yeah. This is
0: fucking elegant. Yes. In its execution. And it actually kind of ends on kind of a happy note, so...
1: It does. It, it ends on this note of just this tiny little spot of hope right. that maybe we aren't quite as fucked as we think. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to talk about The Seven Samurai. That is my... That's got
0: to be my favorite. As cool as Yojimbo is, yeah, I love The Seven Samurai. But
1: I, I do want to go back to Yojimbo for one thing. Go for it. Just because this is, like, my one, like, oh, I actually understand film moment that I had when I was watching it Okay, and that's that. It uh, a lot of the the editing. In it was very reminiscent. I mean, all of it is very reminiscent of modern film because it's all a massive influence right. on modern film, and and because Kurosawa in Japan, you know, was often criticized as having something of a, of a Western sensibility as a director, uh-huh. which is perhaps why we can so immediately grasp what he's doing. Yeah, but uh, a lot of the editing in Yojima was very reminiscent to me of, of the Cohen Brothers, sort of mm-hmm. that. That faith that the audience is smart enough to know what's happening between the shots. That is cool. Like, there's this very suspenseful conversation where, uh, he, he's just helped a family escape from, from the bad guys. Yeah. And then two of them come in and are questioning him about it while the thank you letter from him is sitting on the table right next to him. Right. And it's just like, it's building, it's building, it's building. And then one of the bad guys picks it up and says, hey, what's this? Next shot, him just getting tossed into a cell having had the shit beat out of him off camera.
0: Yeah. yeah. We, like, know, we can work out exactly yeah. what just happened.
1: Yeah, but I mean like the, the big Lebowski uses that exact break at one point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? I mean <laughs> show don't tell is a fundamental rule in writing and yeah. this is why.
1: It, yes. <laughs> it's like they didn't even, they didn't show or tell. It, it implied, but you immediately figure it out. He's got a lot more blood on his face than he did before.
0: Yeah, and, and, and so many like movies and stories and, and show and everything nowadays hit you over the head with like every little detail so hard yeah it's like we're adults okay we don't need the blues clues approach no yeah and
1: Uh, yeah Yojimo nails it absolutely but to get to Seven Samurai because well come on we have to (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, this was actually, like, my... Because
0: I didn't know how far I was going to get in this Kurosawa situation, like, having no background at all.
1: Yeah, no, I went into this blind, I went into this knowing... The names of some of the bigger films, which is basically how I picked the ones I was going to watch.
0: Right, but this is kind of the, I would argue, the biggest one. Not only does it have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah,
1: it's the one everyone's heard of. Yeah,
0: it's like, you know, it's what The Magnificent Seven was, you know, based on. Yeah. It, it just, it's like, this is a big name. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm going to start with this. Just give me the best first. And we'll see where we go.
1: Yeah, and then you started just talking about the sheer length of it. I mean, it's a very long, very big film. I
0: mean... It's three and a
1: half hours long. Yeah.
0: And it is fucking epic.
1: It's got a stone-cold intermission in the middle. <laughs> and if and if I can just
0: point out, you know, obviously these are Japanese films with subtitles.
1: Yeah, you cannot multitask during these films.
0: Which, apart from the quality of the film, just drives me nuts. Because yeah. people say children have short attention spans. Yeah. I get so twitchy if I'm only doing one thing.
1: Yeah, and hashtag lifehack. If you want to put down your smartphone and watch more foreign films.
0: Uh, yeah. Because yeah. you have to... These movies are legitimately good and interesting, and you don't want to miss a moment of action or dialogue. No. Which means eyes front and center... Because unless you speak Japanese, you're also reading the movie.
1: Yeah uh, yes <laughs> well exactly I mean you, you look away for half a second and because of uh, I don't want to say the, the the structure of the film but perhaps the the uncompromising nature of this particular story right You could miss a major character death if you look away for half a second. You certainly could.
0: So I don't think it's I, I don't think it's a small thing when I say that throughout this rather complicated movie watching process, I was still having fun three hours in. Yeah. It's still cool. It's still enjoyable yes. to watch. It's not a slog. No, not at all. And right? how many three-and-a-half-hour movies are not a slog? Very
1: few. Even ones I love, I'm not going to watch again, you know? Uh Yeah, yeah. Like that director's cut of Two Towers? Yeah. Like... I- I'm not just gonna like
0: pick that up tomorrow. No, you know? it's
1: like oh yeah, the middle one. Just yeah, just the director's cut just, of that. Great. Yeah, yeah can no, we, can we just watch the the shorter version without commercials? Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, so Seven Samurai. The plot's complicated. We'll walk through the plot a little bit. Okay, it's it's actually not that complicated. A in concept. fact,
1: it's uh it's very similar to the plot of Your Jimbo in that it's a uh, it's a small town beset by bandits. Right, but in this
0: case, the bandits haven't set up shop in
1: the town. No, they're, they're just, they're just coming in and terrorizing and stealing the harvest and... Yeah,
0: they're and, roving marauders. Yeah. It's a tiny farming village. Like, they don't have any cops or soldiers or anything. It's just peasants. And there's these roving bandits that every time there's a harvest,
1: they come in and sack the place and steal it. Exactly. And and so they decide they don't have the good fortune of a wandering ronin passing through. Yeah. Or another gang to take out the bandits.
0: Their wise man says, go to the next city and hire samurai.
1: Yeah, and they have, you know, they can't pay them. It's like, you're just going to be doing it for room and board and the satisfaction of being a good guy.
0: Yeah, so it's it basically, you know, we need heroes. Yes. Like, it, it, just like people who are willing and have the ability to go above and beyond for, you know, no glory, no money, just... To do something heroic. Yes. So, that's a, you know, that's a hell of a challenge to throw at some peasants.
1: Yeah, no, they don't know fuck all about samurais. I mean, they don't know where to... I mean, they kind of know where to find some, kind of, but they don't know how are we going to talk them into doing this, how do we find a good one.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, let's say... You were a regular-ass person in a regular-ass town that had a serious, like, organized crime problem or something. Yeah. And in the next city over, there's just all these wandering, like, Batmans and Supermans and stuff just hanging out.
1: And you have to go and hire some, and you can't use the internet.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And most of them are dicks. Uh, Also, yes. For, you know, they, they want money. Yeah. So it's like, we need the good Batmans. So to
1: speak. This exactly. The analogy
0: is getting away from me.
1: But but yeah, no. That's effectively what they have to do. And so they they find uh, an older samurai who. Well, they find him doing a good deed for no reason. Yeah, and yeah. they decide he's, uh, well, he's, he's these, a good guy. Yeah. So they decide this will be this is our guy, and then he subsequently rounds up six more by and by, you know.
0: Yeah, he's he's immediately like kind of the selfless, you know, hero. Yes. He's very much a wandering hero type. Yes. And so there's a there's a young guy who sees his first good deed and says, "I'm with you, man. I want to be your Robin."
1: Yeah, I I I need a master to teach me. You're yeah. obviously my guy. Yep. And so we get we've got the old guy and the young guy now, mm-hmm. and then you know he rounds up one of his old friends.
0: Uh, one of his old friends, so, yeah, so he, the old guy says to the villagers, alright, show me a map of your village, I got an idea, we're gonna need seven capable warriors to pull this shit off. Yeah. So they get, he, they, they threw a series of very cool, what I love about this (laughs) is, Even though I didn't know the actors at the time, and I couldn't speak the language.
1: Yeah, these are seven unfamiliar actors speaking a language you do not know. Very distinct characterization. Instantly, for every single one of them.
0: Yeah, like, you watch something like Ocean's Eleven, like, you already know stuff about George Clooney. Yeah. You know, this is, this was alien to me, and it works so well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we talked about the Avengers earlier this year. We did, indeed. And how they needed, like, six movies before it to get all the backstories out of the way. This is like if
1: you didn't
0: have those backstory movies, but you didn't need it. Yeah. Like, in other words, for every superhero team movie ever...
1: This should be your blueprint. Yeah, the fact that this hasn't been studied and copied by those... Yeah, I mean... uh, To an extent it has, but at the same time, I mean, this is... I mean, the idea of rounding up a team, you know, finding a bunch of guys with different skills and bringing them together to accomplish some task. Right. I mean, that that trope existed before this, Uh but this one defined it, 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 like, down to such a core level, you know? Oh, yeah. To the point where anyone else who's done it since, I almost have to ask, why did you bother? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and why didn't you do it
0: as good with this blueprint sitting yeah. right there? We
1: have, you you have the perfect picture of how to do it exactly right. Ah, uh, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, and every single one of the guys has become sort of a stock character type, you know? Just, you know, the the wise old leader, and then his, uh, his lieutenant, and then his old friend, and the, the, the young naive guy. Yeah. And like, just the icy cold badass
0: right right you got an icy cold badass you got a, a funny guy yeah who's just kind of like he's just good natured and funny yeah you got another guy who's like he's not the best warrior, but he's, he's, uh, uh... He's good for uh, morale. He's good for morale. He's got a good character. He he values, like, the character of people rather than, yeah. you know, swagger or anything. And you've got the mean-ass drunk. You've got the wild card.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, again, Toshira Mufune. Again, yeah. He, it, it, he
0: plays yeah, two sides say. of the... He, he basically plays two kinds of characters. Yeah. the The feral wild card in
1: seven samurai he is like a wild dog in that movie it's incredible so pulls it off yeah
0: like he he's also plays the bandit in uh Rashomon. rashomon the one
1: who loves to act like a sociopath yeah and it's
0: like in this life you're a bandit in this life you're basically the exact same guy but you're a hero
1: uh, yeah. You're a samurai. You're a he's, great warrior. Like, his backstory in the film is that he's the, the son of a farmer who got killed. Yeah. You know, by real warriors somewhere. And so now he's turned around and is impersonating a samurai because what else is he going to do?
0: He's almost got kind of a... It's, I'm having trouble finding, like, like uh, Mifune's... Character in *Yojimbo*, you yeah. can compare to someone like Clint Eastwood. Absolutely, I can't find a Western counterpart that really explains this guy. Not like,
1: really. I mean, even in even in the Magnificent Seven, which is a a, a licensed, authorized remake of, of Seven Samurai. Yeah, uh, Mifune's character was absent. He was his character was combined with the uh, the young apprentice, and then there was a, a seventh guy they brought in, kind of like a. a a dapper gentleman who is secretly a fugitive. That's cool for Westerns. It it definitely works for a Western. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, I mean, it fits the the world a bit better, but you're telling me there were no mean drunks in the Wild West? Uh, Yeah, you could have done something. You know what it actually
0: reminds me of? What does it remind you of? Uh, Val Kilmer's character in Willow, Mad Mardigan.
1: Actually?
0: Like... Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he is a fucking maniac who looks like a criminal. Yeah. And then he is the hero of that film. And
1: he certainly is. He, he
0: becomes the champion for, you know, the little guys.
1: And a magnificent head of hair on that fella.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's still my favorite Val Kilmer moment.
1: Well, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but yeah, the, uh, like, again, just, you know, we, we can talk about Mifune all day because, oh my God so cool amazing but to get back to the actual film right established so much of that that genre of film that get a team together kind of film Mm -hmm. and and just its influence on western when i say western i mean you know european and american not cowboy western uh film in general in terms of the 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 action films and the epic films that then have the quiet character moments in them, mm-hmm. which this does so effortlessly. it's and I would say
0: it earns its length.
1: yes. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of long movies
0: that are unnecessarily long that could have been knocked down to like eighty minutes.
1: They pat them out to make them feel more epic. Or to squeeze in a subplot that nobody gives a shit about.
0: Whether it's Skyline or Twilight. Yeah. There are so many films that don't need to be as long as they are. Absolutely. This one makes excellent use of three... It's the perfect example of this is going to be as long as it needs to be.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they always say when you're writing or when you're making a film, you know. Yeah. Every scene, every line should either move the plot forward or tell us something new about a character. Right. And this succeeds yeah, in a, in a way that I, I don't understand how people can't be taking away more lessons from it. I mean, I understand that, that any translation of those lessons will be imperfect. That, you know, humans are flawed, that humans have their own biases, and they're going to fuck up and so forth. Mm-hmm. But to have it laid out so clearly...
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say if I had seen this film 15 years ago... I would have viewed everything I saw since through the lens of Kurosawa.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that. I think absolutely there is a reason yeah. why the film snobs of the world talk about him the way they do. Because you've seen his films or you haven't. Mm-hmm. And that does indeed color the way you see all film. I was skeptical. You
0: heard me at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I did. I so often mock the film nerds for, you know, just like... Overemphasizing the stuff they know that other people don't.
1: And this is the second time this has happened to us. Battleship Potemkin uh, yeah. I- exceeded expectations as well. And I like this better than Potemkin, well, but it's a different kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that maybe we should trust film nerds a little more, you know? Well, maybe with a grain of salt, I'm saying maybe yeah. they're more trustworthy than other nerds. <laughs> you may have a point. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, if you... It's... Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cuz you know, I, I watched Magnificent 7 like I said, and it's a it's a fine film for what it is. It's uh it's a decent uh western, but it it does not compare to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Yeah, I mean like if I had just seen if I had just seen Magnificent 7, I'd be like that's a very good western, you know, and mm-hmm. it's got, you know, Charles Bronson, you know, dying and, you know, little kids promising to avenge him and stuff. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, but, like, knowing where it came from... Right. It, it, it can only feel like an imitation. I mean, when it came out in America... Or, when it came out at all, rather. Right. The only people in America who really knew Seven Samurai were, were film critics and people who went to art houses and stuff. Uh-huh. And they were not kind to it when it came out. And I can see why. I mean... Like, for your average film goer, you know, this is a big deal, but for. Yeah, it's a pale imitation. Yeah, for somebody who knows his shit, it's like, I've seen this before. Yeah. And when George Clooney gets his friends back together to fuck around for Ocean's 29 or whatever. Right. It's like, that's 22 guys too many, George.
0: Another cool thing about Kurosawa is he doesn't do franchises. He does not. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again because I think it's important to storytelling in general. Yes. One-off things are more interesting and suspenseful because there's an actual, like, anything can actually happen. Yeah,
1: if you know where your ending is and you actually stick to it.
0: Iron Man 2 is not an exciting movie because you know there's a third one. The hero is never in any real danger. It's like an episode of Star Trek. You know Kirk's going to get out of it. He always does. He's the hero. He's in every episode. They're not
1: going to kill Kirk. And if they are going to kill Kirk, it's going to come after a year of news stories about how he's been getting in fights with Gene Roddenberry.
0: Yeah. In Seven Samurai, in Yojimbo... You don't All know bets are saying. off. Yeah. All bets are off. I mean, Yojimbo, know, there's one hero, so well, either he lives or he dies. Well, exactly. Seven Samurai, there's a lot of battles. Obviously, someone's gonna die. A lot of someone's. And they do enough character development, very kind of succinctly and elegantly,
1: that... I had multiple moments where I was like,
0: oh, not that one. He was one of my favorite
1: samurai. Exactly. From the moment each one was introduced, I started just sort of subconsciously ranking them. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the end, when all my favorites were dead... (laughs) I know. Yeah. It was like, oh, the two boring ones and the guy who I didn't care about at all. Uh, Yeah. I fine. I mean,
0: I, I did...
1: I had a certain affection for the old guy. But uh, yeah,
0: the old guy was pretty cool. Yeah, but, but I mean, as a, a wise kind of leader figure. Yeah. but like some of the best samurai, yeah. do die valiantly in this movie.
1: I'd actually like to sort of depart from this and get into Ron a little bit here. Oh, towards the please, end. please do. I, I I chose that one as one of my as part of my curriculum. Uh huh just because it was one of Kurosawa's last films made in 1985 like i said he made 23 films in the first 22 years of his career right from 1965 until his death in 1998 he only made 7 oh. because he just was having more and more trouble getting funding in japan after a, after a couple of unsuccessful films yeah that happens but ron was made in 1985 at the time it was the most expensive film ever made in japan yeah and it's his take on King Lear. And I wanted to see, I, frankly, I just wanted to see how he would work in color, you know? Oh, that's
0: actually a really good point.
1: And uh, Ron is brutal. I mean, one of, one of the only sort of criticisms you can, you can kind of level against some of his older films uh-huh. is that they are decidedly pre-modern in terms of, you know, uh, the effects and how the violence is handled and so forth. Yeah. It's often very bloodless. Uh-huh. Not that I'm a guy who's, you know, all gung-ho for blood in a film. Right. But Ron has got Kill Bill levels and Kill Bill colors of blood. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that movie is fucking brutal. I mean, there is this battle in the middle... Uh-huh. ...where, I mean, it, it... You know, only a few major characters die in it, but so many soldiers and so many civilians are just gunned down. That's the other thing. Uh-huh. In... In Yojimbo, a big deal is made about how one man in town has the only gun in town. Right. You know, and in Seven Samurai, a big deal is made of the fact that the bandits have three muskets. Yeah. Ron, which takes place several hundred years before Yojimbo and roughly contemporary with Seven Samurai. huh This is about real armies led by, you know, high lords and everyone has guns. And it's appropriately bloody for that. Yeah, they had a lot of guns in Asia back then. It, Asia is where guns were invented. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and indeed, they, they figured into combat in the Sengoku period in Japan. Uh-huh. And, my God, I mean, there's a scene in Ron uh-huh. where a castle burns down. Right. And it, it's a, this big battle in the center of the movie. It's the centerpiece of the film. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that doesn't look like a miniature... That doesn't look like an effect shot. And it dawns on me, they built and burned a fucking castle. That's awesome. And they did. Oh, you're right, because they couldn't CG it. They couldn't. It was 1985. Wow. That's cool. Like, I'm looking at the flames, and I'm like, that's not a miniature. And that's that's not green screen. I mean, there's a scene later Uh with a fire, and it's... I'm not going to say it's obviously green screened, but it's obviously enough. Right. But this, they built... A castle, shot all the scenes there, and then they set it the fuck on fire, and the actors had one take to get the escape right. That's
0: cool. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I love that.
1: (laughs) They built and burned a castle. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I mean and that, I mean that's that's the beautiful thing about it. They, they they spent the money and the money is up there on screen, burning. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of big bunch of
0: movies nowadays where you go, what did you spend this on?
1: They spent it paying the salaries of a thousand CGI artists. Yeah. And the bigger salaries of the actors. Lame. Yeah. Lame. Exactly. They spent it on advertising. They spent it on the shitty poster with half the main character's face and half the other main character's face. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How much did that cost you? How much did the graphic designer want for that? At least hire a guy to paint the posters, you assholes. This movie, the money is up there on the screen, and as I said, it's it's the rough plot of King Lear. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, the the Lord has three sons instead of three daughters, and uh, 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 the Jester has an expanded role. But if you know King Lear, you know what happens. It's,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. It's similar to, to Throne of Blood. is similar in that respect. If you know Macbeth, it's basically the Macbeth story. Yeah, but you know, it's medieval Japan. It's very it's very cool style. So yeah, I mean, yeah. To, Mifune's in it again as Macbeth. He is Ron like,
1: and Ron. He they wanted him, but they couldn't get him. Ah, uh, well, you know. Yeah. By the eighties, he had other things going on, I assume. Yeah, there was a there was a bit of a rift, but. <laughs> I mean, I my regret here is that I don't know more. You know, all of them. Well, um, that I don't that I didn't have time to watch more. Yes. Yeah. But likewise, just that I don't know more about the, uh, the, the the grammar of film and the, the jargon of film studies. Right. So that I can I, I can... I would like to be able to do something more than just fanboy out on this thing that I didn't even know existed two days ago.
0: <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, I feel like we can serve <laughs> as a gateway between, like, other schlubs. Yeah, no. It's I- like... I, I think you can tell, based on our surprise, hey, this is actually cool.
1: Fellow schlubs, this is worth checking out. If you've been putting it off, if your annoying friend who tries to drag you to the fucking art house to watch a Lars von Trier film and you hate him, but you gotta hang out with him because he's a friend of a friend, keeps going on about Kurosawa, Yeah, he's right.
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, to the point where, like, I, I mentioned Ikiro earlier, yeah. which is uh, it's Japanese for to live, and it's a contemporary film from 1952 and it's about this this boring bureaucrat in in the thick of bureaucracy yeah and he finds out that he has stomach cancer and he's about to die and he takes this like spiral downward where he's just you know regretting every aspect of his life and why didn't i do anything worthwhile and there's a narrator that's kind of mocking him throughout it and he goes on this dark journey of coming to terms with his death.
1: At a certain point, I'm like, when did he start cooking meth?
0: Yeah, kind of. It's like, it's so gut-wrenching, so heartbreaking <laughs> Yeah, that I had to stop and cheer yeah. myself up before podcast time.
1: I can't fucking blame you. I'm
0: going to go back to it. You know, when no, it's I'm, sunny and I have like cookies or something.
1: Yeah, no, I might come back to that film in the springtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I,
0: I, that could make me very sad if I watch it on a dark day. <laughs> Well, so. the
1: sunset sunset at 4.30, so...
0: Yeah, so he, he doesn't just do good, you know, action movies. Yeah. yeah. He, he does
1: good fucking human movies. Indeed he does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those are, of course, less known in the West. I mean, I feel like those films are probably... Despite the presence of the many, many Wandering Ronin in his films... Right. I feel like his, uh, his non-period films, perhaps, would have less resonance in the West just because they'd be... More specifically, contemporary Japanese.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, this is like right (laughs) after World War II. They talk about like rebuilding the schools and stuff.
1: Then again, (laughs) regret is a pretty fucking universal human experience.
0: That's a good point. I mean, yeah, the difference, I I think, in terms of audience is like regret and sadness we all understand. But sometimes we just really want a punchy,
1: stabby, shooty. He can bring that. He and can if, deliver.
0: And if Punchy Stabby Shooty can be done in an actual good way? Yeah. A good intelligent storytelling
1: way? Yes.
0: Then there is your fucking yeah. You know what? <laughs> Next time you want to watch a superhero movie,
1: yeah. just watch this instead. Yeah. Just to to put out my final thought on this? Sure. Seven Samurai has a romance subplot. It takes up exactly the right amount of screen time. Yeah. It it involves a character who is not the lead. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like oh it doesn't feel shoehorned in. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, and it it's not laced with appalling uh uh yeah. uh dialogue that doesn't fit with anything else. Yeah,
1: nobody suddenly starts acting out of character because they're horny. Yeah.
0: yeah. In other words, it's the opposite of Attack of the Clones.
1: Yes. <laughs> It is. I mean, and considering Kurosawa's influence on the original Star Wars trilogy, I mean, the original screenplay for Star Wars
0: mm-hmm.
1: was lifted largely from uh, Kurosawa's film The Hidden Fortress. Ah, I, I mean, didn't get to that one. I didn't either, but, well, George Lucas changed a bunch of shit before he finally made the movie because people kept noticing. So That's, that's fair. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just considering that, considering that Lucas knew this... And he's still fucked up as bad as he did, and I know, I know, it's the internet and everything eventually leads back to how George Lucas fucked up. <laughs> but now that I have this, now that I have the master key to all of Lucas's fuck ups <laughs> <laughs> It's you're speechless. I am. And that happens so rarely on this program.
0: That's that's actually a good point. Well,
1: there you go. That's, that's my review. I was rendered speechless. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, to recap, Akira Kurosawa movies are good.
1: Watch yeah. them. He knew what he was doing. He absolutely deserves his reputation. Yeah, yeah. By all means. Yeah. Yeah. Check them out.
0: Um, there's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's winter time for most yeah. of our listening audience. Uh, you want to watch stuff while you're sitting in and avoiding the cold? Yeah. There you go.
1: I believe uh, Kagemusha is the only one currently streaming on Netflix, but I don't know about other services.
0: I mean, there's... There's ways you can get movies where the uh, uh, Netflix, the mainly one, has most of them. Oh, it
1: certainly would.
0: And I think some of them are probably on YouTube. They're old enough. Yeah. And you know all your other ways you get things. Probably iTunes, Amazon. You you know how to get
1: movies. <laughs> you definitely do. I mean, yeah. the Criterion Collection loves them. So if you want a whole lot of features, commentary by people who know their shit. Yeah. It is available at a nominal fee yeah so. <laughs> go do
0: yes and uh yeah, uh, send us topics for next year yeah. breakfast of the be dot dot com slash breakfast with the beak uh, uh topics at thebeak dot org is we the are, actual email address.
1: We are also on Twitter. I am at the beak. he is at doc heisenberg doc with a k and, and beak uh, network
0: at beak network for all the fun yes, um yeah. Uh, we're closing on a good note this year, Johnny. Yeah, no,
1: 2013 was not a bad year, and it ends on a high note. It does. So, uh, until next year, keep riding that dog rocket. Ouch.
0: This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit
1: org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.